TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Sit back, light the fire, kick your shoes off, because it's time for That Paleo Show with your favorite caveman, Brett Hill. Welcome to That Paleo Show, making the paleo lifestyle easy and accessible for everyone. I'm Brett Hill, and this week I'm joined by a mother of two and a half who's currently studying health science. She has a background in all sorts of roles within chiropractic, um, and she's one of my favorite go-to people, my favorite go-to blogs when I'm looking for some thoughts and inspiration on parenting. So welcome to the show, Alex Sim from Innate Parenting Australia. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Great to have you on, Al. It's great to chat to you. We obviously chat all the time. You're a good friend of mine, and and I love reading what you write about parenting. I'm I'm constantly referring to and sharing and listening and reading your blog um, because you do just have such a great philosophy, I guess, around health and particularly applying that to around parenting. So, do you want to tell us a little bit about your journey, Al? How did you come to be such a wise, mature parent? <laughs> right. Um, well, like you said, I think it probably really started from my background in chiropractic. I think that's sort of given me a bit of a foundation for um, understanding more of a vitalistic lifestyle, I suppose. Um, you could go further back, I suppose, to my mum and how she raised us. But we'll start from when I became a parent. So my eldest daughter is now, what, five and a half. Um, I've got a stepdaughter who's nine. Um, and our youngest is what one. So, well, I guess we sort of started when I had my first daughter, um, and I found there wasn't much support around for people that uh, sort of bucked the system a little bit. You know, there's a very mm-hmm. mainstream um, way of parenting. Um, there's lots of parenting books and you know all that stuff that tells you how to do it. Um, but there's nothing really that. I mean, it probably makes sense to have no books written on how to follow your instinct, but <laughs> um, yeah, there's, no, there's nothing around to, to do that. So I think you guys were probably one of the only people that we knew that took more of a natural parenting approach. Yeah. Um, so it started from there, I guess, searching for uh, something more than than what was normal. It didn't feel right to put our baby in a cot or um, you know give them to someone else to look after or whatever else. So I think we followed our instincts more than anything, um, and. Yeah, I really think we went from there. I guess it grows, you know, as you as you learn more and more and um, look into more things. You find the, you know, you don't necessarily find the research to make your decisions. You do what feels right, and then you find there's plenty of research to back that up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah. early on, Al, what sort of influences, you know, were there? Like, what sort of advice were you given? What sort of books did you read that sort of, I guess, perhaps didn't fit with your philosophy that that sort of made you bucket? Uh, I think it probably started from birth. So there's um, a lot of uh, books on how to birth and what you need to do and what um, what medications you should have and uh, what scans you should have, what what tests you need to have. Um, and none of that felt right to us. Um, we knew we wanted. I think I knew from when I was about 18 that I wanted a home birth when I when I had children. Um, so I guess that's that sort of started my research. Um, yeah, is that sort of what you mean? I, yeah, I guess? yeah, absolutely. There's, and I guess it's. I guess the point I'm getting at is it can be quite scary and confronting. I mean, you how Absolutely. old were you when you had your first child, Al? Uh, 22. 22. So, yeah. you know, I mean, in historical terms, you know, quite mature to be having a, a child. But, but yeah. in modern day, you know, that's quite young to be having a child as well. Um, yeah. And so, I guess as a 22-year-old, to be, uh, 
you know, to be strong enough to be able to look at this and to listen to that advice and take it on board and, and you know, read the research but at the same time say, do you know what, that doesn't fit with me um, is a really strong and I think courageous thing to do and something that I think many parents struggle with. So how did you come by the strength to be able to do that, Al? I think I probably, I mean, I was fortunate in that, um, yeah, like I said, with the chiropractic sort of background, I had a real trust for the human body. So um, I think that was really crucial in the way I chose to birth. So I, I knew that whatever happened, my body was made to birth. It was, you know, I, I didn't need to have any knowledge on how to birth. Um, that's what that's what human bodies do. Mm. Um, and I think the ability to be able to let go and not listen to all of the books and advice and everything else was huge for me. Um, so that was probably the first thing. Uh, yeah, sitting there, and, and I, I guess that's where innate parenting goes in, really, isn't it? Because that's the inbuilt knowledge, you know, understanding that you do have that inside you, and you've actually just got to listen to it. Yeah, and how did your family react to that? Those sort of decisions, Al. Your your partner, obviously, I know, is very supportive. Uh, yeah. Your extended family. How how did they all react to the choices you were making that perhaps may have been different for them as well? Yeah, they, yeah, they absolutely were. Um, I'm fortunate with my parents. They've always, I think that I sort of got to a point in teenagehood and they went, oh, well, you know, I was going to make our own decisions regardless. So <laughs> we're either here or we're not. So mum and dad have always been really supportive. Whether or not they agree with what I do, uh, they, they don't speak up necessarily. They voice their concerns occasionally, but um, they've been really supportive. Um our midwife was fantastic in speaking to anyone who had questions. So, um, yeah, my husband's mum had a good chat to our midwife and that really changed things for her. She was originally a midwife um, before she had children. So uh, I guess she had her own views on, on birth as well. Um, but other than that, I mean, our friends have all are all very like-minded. We've, we've been, you know, we've set up a community that has people that think similar to us who really haven't um, come up against the, the things that you hear a lot of people come up against. Yeah. And, unfortunately. and I imagine you speak to lots of mums out there who do come up against that sort of stuff, who sort of turn yeah. to you and say, what do I do? Um, so, you know, what, what advice do you give to parents who are, I guess, struggling with those sort of external pressures and, and maybe struggling to find their own voice and their own um, certainty around what they're doing? Yeah. Um, well, firstly, like I said, build up a, a support network. Have friends and family, like-minded people around you that um, that you can turn to and, and aren't going to, you know, when you have your doubts, aren't going to go, yep, told you so, you better get back into a hospital or better get back into what we think you should do. Mm. Um, I think that's really important. You know, family you can't necessarily choose, which <laughs> has its own <laughs> problems. A lot of time, though, they, I mean, that's where... Um, like I said, you've got to sort of follow your instincts, but a lot of people want to know the research. So, you know, you can provide a lot of information um, that says that home birth is perfectly safe. Um, you know, obviously we're talking about home birth, but there's lots of other things you can you can find the research to support. But, um, you know, it is really safe. I think I strongly believe that the um, the most, the safest place for a person to birth is wherever the woman feels the safest. So, mm. you know, I, I think you've really got to listen to where you feel safest. And that may not be at home for everyone. It may be, you know, somewhere else. Um, but I think it's important to respect the woman's choice, really. And, you know, communicating that to family and friends isn't always easy, but I think you've got to believe in yourself there. 
Yeah. And one of the things I've found really, um, I guess, useful is to try and be grateful for those different perspectives, you know, to, to yeah. understand that all those people in your life, they care about you and they love you. And, and the reason they're giving you that advice is because they care and because they have concerns. And I think it can be great to be able to then sit back and look at those concerns and genuinely consider them as well. You know, it can be a really good, I guess, sounding board for you to make sure that you are certain about what you're doing and you have looked into both sides of the equation and that you do know what you're doing. And in some ways, that can almost increase your certainty, you know, if you sort of take it on board in that in the in the way that it's intended. Yeah. I think I think that's a really good point. I remember when I was having my daughter, my dad was really concerned. He said, Can you please just sign up for ambulance cover? So I did that, you know. I was I was happy to pay the pay whatever the expense was because that, you know, it set his mind at ease. I had a backup plan. I, I didn't think I'd need it, but I think it's really worth considering yeah, other people's concerns as well. Nice. Um, so let's start from the start then. Now let's talk a little bit about a little bit more. I guess we have spoken a little bit already, but about home birth because mm-hmm. home birth in Australia at the moment is a pretty controversial topic. You know, it yeah. seems like it is getting harder and harder for well, not just I was going to say women, but really for families uh, to be able to make that choice. Yeah. Um, and and it really seems like it's been politicised and pushed under the. You know, pushed under the rug, so to speak, you know, where it's, it's been made very difficult for people who want to take that option. Um, and, you know, without wanting to, to criticise or get myself in any trouble with our registration board, but, <laughs> you know, what do you think about the current political situation around that, Al? Because it, it does seem to me that it's making it very difficult for parents to make their own informed choice about what they want to do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, like you say, it really has become a, a political, <laughs> a massive issue. Um uh, I think my actions sort of speak for themselves. When we had our second baby, I chose to free birth because I couldn't quite fit into the modern model anymore. Mm. Um, and that was a, you know, I, I guess I felt like we didn't have that many choices. I could find a private midwife, um, which we did originally, um, but there's really not that many options anymore. Uh, the the few, very few that are left here in our state um, are, are pretty booked out. Mm. Um, or they, they're not quite aligned with, the way we view birth either, so it's sort of a bit hospital birth at home almost. Yeah. Um, and then the other option, I guess, is, you know, they have they now have put a home birth system um, in the hospitals, but you've still got to go into the hospital to have, you know, the scans, you've got to meet certain requirements, um, you know, you've really got to jump through the hoops to – and they tell you that you're now allowed to home birth, you know, that just blows my mind. Someone <laughs> to tell me. Oh, now you're, you know, you, you fit our criteria. Now you're allowed to home birth. That just doesn't quite sit right with me. Um, so, you know, that system really works for people who want home birth and are able to meet that criteria. But what if you don't? Mm. Um, you know, what, what are your choices now? Yeah, well, and, and I guess the whole perspective around it is that people say, well, we're just trying to look after mums and make sure they're safe. But, you know, if the option you're giving them is you either, you know, do it our way in the hospital or you're going to have to free birth. You know, for someone like yourself who has made that decision, I'm going to birth at home and do it my way, you know, your choice then, you know, you get taken away the choice from you to have a fully qualified, trained midwife there with you who can help you out and your only choice left then is to actually do that without the assistance of that fully trained midwife, which to me doesn't sound like it's making it safer. No, no, absolutely not. 
Yeah, so <laughs> definitely you know, not, and yeah. and certainly not you know, and not in any way doubting your ability to do that at home by yourself. But you know, obviously, if you have someone there with that sort of experience who can help you along the way, then mm. you know, and and once said that's probably something that historically has always happened. You know, there's been yeah, someone there yeah. to assist with the birth and to help, who's got experience, who knows about these things. So you know, it seems to me that it, that it's odd that you know that choice is being taken away from people under the guise of making it safer when perhaps it may actually be doing the exact opposite. Yeah. Well, you know, it happens physiologically when you go into fight flight mode, you know, yeah. you don't, you don't, people that are free birthing may well be full of fear, just like they may well be in a hospital. So you're right. There's no, it, it's not necessarily safer. Yeah. Um, for some people it, it is, they, they feel much more comfortable, but yeah, I think it's, yeah, like you say, it's <laughs> get, get put in this place where you feel like you're forced to do something and women feeling isolated and unsupported. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So let's move on now. We've, we've now done the birth bit. We've got the baby. Um, yeah, I read an article from you, well, actually an ebook from you just recently. If people want to get hold of this ebook, they get it by signing up at the Unite Parenting Australia uh, website for the for your newsletter, and they get this great little ebook which is all about connecting with your child. and And I read it, and I really enjoyed it. It was, you know, much of it was stuff that um, that you already know, but it's really great to have those little reminders. And then there's a couple of little tips in there. Where I just thought, oh, that's great. I, I hadn't really considered that. Um, so it was great. So let's talk about connecting with your child, Al. That's obviously a really big part of, of what you do is, is you know, that connection with yourself, I guess, first, but then that connection with your child as well. Um, mm. you know, tell us about your philosophy around that and why that's so important. Yeah, well, oh, I guess when you don't have a connection with your child, it's like any other person. How do you build a relationship with them? How do you build sort of mutual trust and, and um you know, have people just almost act towards you the way you'd like them to. You know, you don't go and have a friendship where you're, you know, you're yelling at someone or you're ignoring them or you're prioritizing other things and then expect them to have some sort of relationship with you. Um, and I think it's much the same for children. Um, mm. You know, having some sort of respect for, for them as children and, and them, uh, you know, their childhood where they're at. So I think connecting is a huge part of that. Um, meeting them on their level, they've obviously got much different sort of brain development they're at a different brain development stage than we are um so i think it's important connecting with them and and yeah i guess yeah sorry and i guess for their development as well you know it's it's enabling them to uh, you know through that connection be i guess you know feel safe and secure and discovering the world and learning new things and developing their brains and you know allowing them to really grow and thrive and flourish safe in that connection yeah, absolutely. Well, that, that's where attachment parenting comes in as well, doesn't it? I know you mentioned that earlier. Um, and yes, when, when someone's feeling safe and, and secure, then absolutely, they're going to thrive, aren't they? Yeah. So, tell us about attachment parenting. Some people may not have heard of that term before, Al. So, uh, what is attachment parenting? Oh, all right. It's, um, I, I guess my take on it, I'm sure everyone's going to have a different take, but um, my take on it is that you have a secure attachment with your um, children uh, based on how you raise them essentially. So keeping them close so that they're, they are going to feel attached um, and it comes back to that idea of when you're feeling safe, um, you're more likely to you know, be a happy, healthy sort of person. Um, if we're living in fear all the time, we're, we're not going to be like and it's very similar for um, babies so if a child's not sure when when they're going to get any sort of attention if they're going to be left sitting there crying for a long time um, if they're if they don't have the people around them um, then they're not going to feel safe and secure and they're not going to grow up 
happy and healthy necessarily. That's that's the theory. Um, and I think it comes right back to how we originally were built as humans. You know, you, you leave a baby out, uh, you know, three metres away from the tribe and they're likely to get taken by some wild animal. Mm. <laughs> it's, it's just not how our brains were, were designed to, to live. So how does that look on a day-to-day basis, Al? If we're talking about sleeping, if we're talking about day-to-day activities, um, you know, what does attachment parenting look like for, I guess, maybe for an infant and then maybe also for a toddler? Yep, so it includes things like co-sleeping, so um, whether or not that's in, in the same bed or, or very close within arm's reach. Uh, it includes things like baby wearing, um, so keeping your baby close to you so they can have skin and lots of skin on skin time or you know hear your heartbeat all those sorts of things um includes the the child being around you and you being able to attend to their needs um rather than leaving them somewhere else or or giving them to a stranger and, and disappearing um yeah essentially it's attending to their needs and that's what babies need yeah so, you know, one of the things I talk about a lot, Al, in terms of people, um, you know, as part of their wellness is is having some me time as well. And mm-hmm. I know you've spoken about this on your website and your blog as well. Um, so, if we're doing attachment parenting and mm-hmm. we're looking for some me time as well, you know, how do we how do we find that balance between, I guess, the, the healthy emotional needs of the parent and the healthy yeah. emotional needs of the child and making sure that we're creating an environment where both can flourish? Yeah, that's that's always a hard one. <laughs> Isn't um, it? Yeah, like yeah. parenting in a nutshell, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, I think it's yeah, I think it's really important to be forgiving of yourself, and it's okay to need me time. Uh, you know, I think a lot of attachment parents, especially, feel quite guilty for that. You know, they want to they want to be there for their child all the time, um, and because that's what what the theory is. Um, but I think it's okay to forgive yourself and know that you may need a break. Um, and that's where, you know, often it's handy not to have just the one attachment parent. So, you know, having someone to hold your baby while you go and have a shower is crucial. You know, that <laughs> you really can't give if you don't have a full cup. Um, so taking sleeps with your baby during the day rather than prioritizing doing the dishes, all of those things are, are, are really quite important. Um, getting the support around you that you can, you know, if you've got family or friends or, or whatever else, um, I think that's crucial. Uh, but also there's things you can do while your children are around. So, you know, sitting, I think I wrote a blog post on nurturing yourself with nature. So just getting outside and putting your grass, you know, your feet in the grass, bare feet in the grass makes a huge difference to your well-being. Um, you know, stepping outside and breathing in the air while you, you know, lay your baby on a blanket looking up at the trees. Babies love that, <laughs> you know, the movement and everything else. Um, so there's little things you can do to get a little bit of me time almost while you've got your children but also having support networks is yeah I think really important yeah absolutely you know, I often talk Al about um, you know when we went to a holiday on the Solomon Islands and uh, and just their concept around you know how the tribe raises the baby and the way they would just you know they would literally just kind of pass kids around through the tribe yeah. um, and everyone would just take their turn and and it was just a wonderful you know to see that environment the way it was just so natural that that <laughs> familial support that happened there um was just fantastic. It was amazing yeah. to see. So that makes heaps of sense. I really um, don't think we're supposed to be on our own, are we? You know, it's, it's ridiculous having having parents or mums if they're the ones staying at home yeah. at home for eight hours on their own. Yeah, you know, that, that's hard. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, what else do do we need to think about? I guess uh, you know, thinking about supporting a parent and helping the parent be the best they can be. I guess then looking at 
you know, their, their general health and wellness is going to be a really important part of that as well. Um, and as you said, you know, this can be stuff that you can do perhaps with the kids, you know, whether that's, you know, getting in the kitchen and doing stuff together, getting in the garden and growing stuff together. But, but I guess, you know, making sure that you're looking after your health as a parent, it's so easy just to want to focus just on your kids and make sure that they're getting absolutely everything they need. But I think looking after your health as a parent is really important to help you be the best parent you can be, have, you know, have the energy required, have the moods required to be able to deal with the, you know, everything that goes on in a, in a parenting household. You know, what do you do to, to help keep that, to keep yourself healthy, Al? Yeah, well, as you know, regularly adjusted. That's <laughs> absolutely crucial for me. Um, getting enough sleep. You know, it's, it's easy to go, oh, I'll just stay up and watch one more thing with my husband because I hardly ever get to see him during the day. I just watch a TV mm. show with him. You know, I, I think I need to be self-aware and, and go to sleep when I need to go to sleep. Um, that includes having, having a day sleep when I can. I'm not uh, yeah, I'm not a failure if I go, oh, I have to have sleep today. Um, I actually think that's kind of cool. Um, so all those sorts of things. Um, yeah, I think uh, as well being being conscious of what your needs are. Um, it's so easy for parents to to put their kids first, like you say. Mm. You've got to be you've got to be aware of what your needs are, and you know, eating a block of chocolate for dinner may not necessarily be your best option. Although it's you know it, it's very satisfying at times, um, that's probably not not your best option to be able to give you that energy um, and and what you need. And Al, you mentioned your husband, and yep. uh, and obviously you know when you're attachment parenting and when you're spending all that quality time with your child then you know then there becomes a you know your relationship with your partner changes mm. a lot as well so yeah. you know how do you how do you maintain the health of your relationship within that context yeah well i think it's really important to be on the same page um i'm I don't want to say lucky or fortunate because I don't quite like those terms. We all make choices. But, you know, I'm in a position where I have a husband who's definitely on the same page as me. Um, he respects my choices because he knows I do a, look a lot more into the way, to, the, the way that I want to parent and, um, and that I'm with the kids a lot more. Um, so he understands my position. He's definitely on the same page as far as that. Um, but he also keeps me grounded. You know, he, he can see when I'm starting to get a little bit thin <laughs> you know a little, a little a little bit um exhausted and and he says you know maybe I'll I'll take the baby go and have a sleep and um I think that sort of support's crucial every now and then we can go and get a meal together or whatever else but I think booking in something regular so that you know you've got something to look forward to and it's there so even if you're absolutely exhausted um you know you've got half an hour together or what, whatever it is I think you need to build it into your routine um as well as have have respect for each other and and trust that you're doing the right thing. Yeah, nice. Um, yeah, it's so important to to maintain it, and it's such a juggling act, isn't it? When we're talking about you know looking after the child, but then also looking after yourself, and then also maintaining the relationship. You know, there's there's no right or wrong, is there? Like you no. know, there's and there's no you know. I heard uh, Lawrence Tam talking recently about you know what he, what he spoke about is as the myth of life balance. You know, mm. and he kind of said, "Well, there is no balance. You know, there's yep. always something that's getting more priority than the other, and mm. that's kind of just the way it is. And you just have to accept that and yeah. deal with the fact that when you do one thing, another thing might miss out a little bit. And you do your best, uh, but mm. you're never going to be in perfect balance and perfect harmony. And I think that's kind of what we're talking about, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's true. I, I really like the idea of. I think I heard it not that long ago, but instead of balance, integration, because that's what happens. You know, every mm. little bit melds into everything else. And yeah, I think I think you're right. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you're, you're studying at the moment, Al, and so, you know, you can't be 100% studying 
and minding your child at the same time. You know, like no. your, your yep. focus is going to be on one or the other. You know, you may be double, you know, you may be doing both at once. You may mm-hmm. be trying to study whilst you're looking after the child, but you're not actually tangibly doing both at once. You know, there's yep. always give and take and, mm-hmm. and that's normal and that's natural. And I think it's really important for parents to understand that that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Um, now, one of the other things you spoke about on your blog, Al, was parenting pride. And uh, and I was immediately drawn to that one because I know I can be <laughs> definitely guilty of that sometimes. Of You know, because you do, you just, you, you, you are so proud of your children and you always want the best for them and you always want to do everything you can to give them the best chance to, to thrive and to develop and to move forward. Um, but, you know, sometimes, once again, you can get out of balance or out of, you know, whatever we just said. What do we say? We're not using balance. What are we using? Integration. Out of integration, perhaps, uh, <laughs> yeah. with that as well. So, um, tell us about your thoughts around parenting pride, Al. Yeah, I, I think you're right. It's so easy to be proud of your children. They're, they're, they're awesome little people. Um I guess my thoughts there are that don't let the pride get in the way of hurrying them along. So they've still got a childhood and um, it's awesome when you see them take their first step. That's so exciting. But let them get to that point naturally so that they don't necessarily need a walker or a jolly jumper or, or all those sorts of things that aren't developmentally um, supportive really. When I know you had um, – Claire Cruan, yes. you and you know, yep. not that long, and the way she talks about primitive reflexes and things like that, you know, you've got to support the integration of those. It's not really, um, you, you know, trying to force and hurry those along doesn't work out in the long run necessarily. So I, I think it's important to not not get in the way of your children. So yeah, it's easy to be so proud of them, but but trying not to force that point. Yeah, well, I think there's that great analogy of like the butterfly in its cocoon, isn't there? Yeah. That the yep. butterfly has to fight its own way out of the cocoon in order mm-hmm. to be able to fly. And if you try and help it and crack the cocoon open, then actually the butterfly can never fly. And, and I think, you know, I often think of that in terms of my kids where you've got to, you know, you want to just jump in and help them or you want to just jump in and, you know, show them how to do it. Or sometimes you're in a rush, you want to just jump in and do it for them because you <laughs> yeah. want to get going. You oh, know, yeah. And you've got to sort of just hold yourself back and go, no, it's okay. You know, they need to figure out how to work their way through this themselves you know I often get sort of you know when my kids were younger I used to get sort of the funny looks and the glares at the playground because I'd be letting my child you know climb up the big rope pyramid and she'd be <laughs> right up at the top and other parents would be sort of hovering underneath her glaring at me and yeah. uh, but but you know but letting them letting them go you know letting them figure stuff out for themselves maybe letting them have a little bit of a fall and see where their boundaries are and, and learn about risk and reward and, you know, all those sort of things. Um, You know, it is important to step back and to allow your children to have those experiences and to, to learn those lessons for themselves. Yeah, I think, I think society, I mean, we've got to take a step back and look at how society expects us to act um, and, and realise that that doesn't have to be the way, you know. So often we want to fit into how we're supposed to be doing things. But, um, yeah, I think we have to just check ourselves every now and then. Yeah, it's such a good point, isn't it? And I, I say this to parents all the time that, you know, the, the best thing you can do as a parent is just trust your gut, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I spoke to a parent who, you know, came into the practice just the other day and she was just saying, you know, I just, I felt like something's not right and I just felt like I needed to come in and it's like you know what if that's how you're feeling 
you're right. You know, yeah. there's there's something going on there. You know, no one knows your child as well as you do. You know, mm-hmm. no one gets your child. No one knows their nuances, their behaviours, their temperature, their skin tone, their, you know, all of that, that plethora of information that as a parent you have about this child. You know, no one knows that better than you. And so there's, there's literally no one in a better position to say when something is right or not right for your child. Absolutely. I think, you know, we started a natural parenting group in Adelaide um, on Facebook. I think it's got, you know, 1,300 members or something now. So there's a lot of people out there looking for that sort of support. And one of the things that comes up all the time is, you know, the doctor told me I had to do this, but I I just didn't think that was right. I'm just wondering what everyone else's experiences are. So without going into, you know, getting medical advice and stuff necessarily on this community page, but, but people are saying, what are your experiences here? And nine times out of 10, the parent's entirely right. You know, later on, they've gone back to their doctor and the doctor's gone, oh, okay. And it's not always the doctor, you know, it's, it's someone, yeah. but, you know, listening to what the parent thought originally and listening to their gut was, you know, usually pretty accurate. Yeah, awesome. And I've actually just joined that page, Al, so I'm, I'm on there I now. I, I only just I only just found out about it. I didn't know it was we there. Had, we had like, to check your credentials to make sure we could approve you, but oh, we, think you, we think you're a fit. I just scraped in. Lucky. <laughs> <laughs> okay. yeah. All right, so we've only got a couple of minutes left, Al. Um, so just to finish with, I, I'd really like to know, I guess, your top few tips for parents, You know, that for par- particularly I think for parents out there who are maybe struggling a bit, Maybe they're feeling a bit overwhelmed. Maybe they are struggling to find their own voice and to trust their own gut when it comes to making these decisions around their kids. Um, What would be your tips for them to help them flourish as a parent and to help their kids flourish? Yeah. Uh, Do trust that gut. It's Mm. usually pretty accurate. Mm -hmm. Um, If in doubt, think back to how humans are probably designed to live. I think that fits quite well with the paleo um, philosophy as well, really. You know, think about how we probably would have lived hundreds of years ago um, and whether or not that fits with the choices you're making. Um, Ask ask for help if you need it. Ask for other people, people that you respect and and you see how it's working out for them. Ask their experiences and their advice. Um, I think that's probably the, the three main things. Listen to yourself, get support that you trust don't, don't get support that you think oh you know they they seem like they know what they're doing but it doesn't quite sit right with me i, th- I think that's finding like-minded people i think that's crucial nice great advice al obviously if people want to find a like-minded community then they can head to innateparentingaustralia.com um, there's lots of great information there as i said just a wonderful blog there regular articles which are just wonderful I, I love reading them I love your take on parenting and just hearing your insights Al and um, so keep up the great work um, they can also find you on Facebook at Innate Parenting and Instagram at Innate underscore parenting um, as I mentioned before there's the connecting with your child ebook um, so if they sign up for your newsletter there they'll get sent that ebook absolutely free um, so Great work, Al. Keep up the wonderful work you're doing. Um, You're an inspiration to me as a parent. Um, So keep up the great work. (laughs) Thanks. Good fun. Thanks, Brett. Thank you. So until next week, join the conversation on Facebook. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Join our newsletter list at thatpaleoshow.com and let's help grow the paleo tribe worldwide. Join us next week on That Paleo Show. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives.
Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.